a gesture, a symbol, parting of the lips, a smile. It is ubiquitous, the parting of lips, I mean. Welcome, welcome. It says, welcome, a symbol of inclusion, a sign of embrace. Ah, so good, so good. Goodness reciprocated, or reciprocation of goodness with heart and soul, with soul and heart, with much soul into it. But then a crackle is heard. It's a crackle for sure. Crackle, crackle. A crackle from within bits of the soul crackle. It's an invisible crackle, invisible yet vivid, the crackle. A hint, a hint of misrecognition, the hint of that crackle. Soft at first, a soft hint, and then it's loud, loud, a loud hint of recognition. That which was thought ubiquitous was not. The sign of embrace was for another, the embrace of another, another of the tribe, their tribe. It is a tribe. And walls emerge. An emergence of separation, an emergence of walls, false walls, invisible walls, walls of separation signifying exclusion, exclusion of another, exclusion of the other, the other. And the word intrusion writ large. Confession is central to my belief. And I believe I will not be wrong if I said that it is central to our Anabaptist faith as well. And so I offer a confession. This morning you will hear words spoken and the spoken word interspersed. Interspersed with intention and intentional moments of pause. I request that you embrace the moments of pause. Embrace them as a time for reflection. The words I began with and those that follow are my own words, meaning they are part of my vocabulary, but they're also words that have simmered, words that I have been blessed with in my reading of texts, not just the biblical text, but also texts by scholars and others, theological and non-theological. Thoughts, phrases, statements by authors such as Kiran Desai, Arundhati Roy, Miroslav Wolf, Moltmann and my friend Tom Langenecker. And there are images that you will see, images by Michael Hager, Jyoti Sahi, and Chagall. The words, images, phrases have been woven into a fabric for this day, for this communion. I also confess that I do not know all there is to know, but aspire and seek the mind and spirit of Christ as I stand and speak before you. So this Sabbath, I invite you to engage with me in reflection and confession. Reflect on what you hear and be confessional about who you are and where you are. Confess, not to me, but to the Christ within you.
I invite you to reflect on the words in Matthew. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. While this scripture speaks much and draws our attention on what it means to be sent and what it meant to be sent in Jesus' time, I, sh I want to share what this conveys to me about hospitality, about inclusion, about embrace and exclusion, and how it might speak to exclusion and embrace. In the ancient world, the individual's identity was tied to their family, to their community. So in expressing hospitality, it was not just the individual that was welcome, but the community who sent the person. Therefore, welcoming someone would mean receiving and welcoming not just the individual, but the community, the community of the individual. Regardless of one's size, shape, form, color, ethnicity, affiliation, orientation, each individual, you will agree, is created in God's image, hence a child of God and thus sent by Jesus. So when a stranger walks up to my door, your door, our door, the doors of this church, the doors of this sanctuary, it is Jesus. The stranger is Jesus. Jesus is the stranger. Jesus, God, being the stranger is not an invention of mine. Rather, it dates back to the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament. In the book of Genesis, chapter 18, Abraham welcomes three strangers. All three are identified as representing God. In Matthew 18, welcoming children is considered to be an act of welcoming Jesus. Then there is also the parable of the Good Samaritan, the well-known story of hospitality. Then there is the resurrection story which also continues the theme of Jesus as stranger. The disciples fail to recognize the resurrected Lord as we know from the story of Emmaus in Luke 24. It is another well-known story where these two disciples encountered the resurrected Christ but failed to recognize him until the breaking of bread. What then does it mean to receive a stranger. How do we or how don't we receive the very presence of Jesus himself and of the one who sent him, God, our creator? How do we confess our welcome or lack thereof? How do we confess our exclusion or our selective embrace of a particular stranger? How do we confess?
sense. A sense of being, of existing, of living and breathing in a new space, in a new world, a new existence, an existence of freedom. A sense of being alive. And then the call, the vivid call, the call, a call. A call from the community, a call to evolve, 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 evolve to a new norm, the norm of a few it is a call to assimilate, 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 assimilate to the extreme, assimilate or be excluded. Assimilate, assimilate, assimilate or a sense of death. Death of that known as the other. The death of self, the death of an identity, death, loss. Loss, death, loss of identity, loss of particularity, loss of inheritance, death. Death while alive, death of an existence, death of a way of being, death or rejection. Rejection, rejection would lead to exclusion, exclusion, rejection, rejection, exclusion. What is this community? A community where inheritance is loss. A community of loss. A community of death. What is fulfillment in this loss? Where is the fulfillment? I repeat the questions. What then does it mean to receive a stranger? How do we or how don't we receive the very presence of Jesus himself and of the one who sent Jesus, God our creator? How do we confess or welcome how do we confess our exclusion or our selective embrace of a stranger? How do we confess? Miroslav Wolf, in his book Exclusion and Embrace, states that exclusion turns out to be one of the most fundamental sins of human life. Exclusion creates a world without the other. Yet, as Wolf says, exclusion is not about the other, it is about the self. The use of the other versus the self, they versus we, implies that there is a clear distinction. Most of the time within Western context, it adds up to they don't behave like us. And it conveys the sentiment of one group being better, knowing better, living better than the other. Usually, it's the self. 
that is the norm and knows better. So Wolf invites us to embrace. For Wolf, the will to embrace is a posture that precedes any judgment of the other. The will to embrace is the default stance, the very fundamental and foundational position for a Christian, any Christian individual. And it is out of this posture that the action and will to embrace flows. It is what we do as people of new creation. We give ourselves to others and welcome them. We readjust our identities and make space for them. This is the posture we take as we see the other as a human person in their humanity and not dehumanize them. There's a picture I want to share with you this morning. It's an image captured in the morning haze on the banks of the Adi Ganga, also known as the Ganges in the anglicized. It's actually the original Ganga on the banks of which this temple is built. Many of you have seen this, some in person, and some have seen this in MCC context. It's an image of one of the domes of the temple of Kali in Kolkata. For those not familiar with the Hindu tradition, Kali is the goddess of destruction with enormous power to vanquish evil. She demands blood sacrifice. And in case you can't see, it's not very clear, it's a bit fuzzy. You, it, if you watch closely, there's a crucifix with the word, I thirst, on that dome. It's not just this image, rather what is behind and what is literally under the combination of this temple dome and the crucifix that speaks to me and many others. Under this dome are dual identities. On one side of the wall, devotees bring their domestic problems and prayers for prosperity to Kali, returning when prayers are fulfilled to express their gratitude by sacrificing animals. On the other side of the wall is a home for the dying and the destitute, a place where the forsaken and the dying on the streets are brought in a place where they are cared for and loved and granted dignity. This is an embrace of an extreme kind, a good embrace. It's an embrace by the temple folks of the institution founded by Mother Teresa. And it's an embrace of those excluded by other humans, by the sisters of charity. It's an embrace of love and care. This is one form of hospitality a way in which the other is humanized. Identities of those able are adjusted and space is created for those dehumanized. What I share this morning, I confess, is most simple. But think of the embracing complexities. Think of a Croatian and a Ser Serbian embracing. Think of the embrace of a Hutu and a Tutsi, the embrace of a Hindu and a Muslim, 
It's a complexity that we, East Chestnut Street, doesn't live in. But when it comes to East Chestnut Street or wherever our guests have come from, how do we measure? Are we a community of death with no resurrection? Or are we a community that makes room for the stranger, for Jesus, for God? We're all familiar with the term community. Within the Christian context, community seems to bind both the Old Testament and New Testament. Well, this is also what we see Jesus doing, drawing people into new community. But while I like the word community, I also seem to have issues with the word community, especially how certain communities exist. You probably know from experience that being community is not difficult. People want to be similar, have similar likes and dislikes, and those who have similar likes and dislikes come together. Some intentionally seek out communities that are perfect for them. But there is drawback to such a community. When we become part of such communities, we often lose our ability to self-differentiate. We sometimes lose our ability to separate our own intellectual and emotional functioning from that of the community, also known sometimes as a family. Bones theory. We lose our individuality, and so when the other joins the community, they are required to assimilate. When that happens, that community has become an exclusive community and has embraced a form of oppression. God does call us together. God calls us into communion, a word some of you have heard me use in place of community. God calls us the tall and the short, the conservative and the liberal, the straight and the queer folks from the north of the hemisphere and the south of the hemisphere to commune with one another, with the other, with God, with our creator, and with creation. God calls us to the table, the communion, where there is manna, where 5,000, 10,000, and more than 10,000 are fed. And it is in such a communion we find not death, but life. There is no exclusion, rather only embrace. It is in such a communion we find justice. We find folks in right relationships with one another without losing an individual identity or particularity. That is true embrace. A true communion, a coming together of a common identity, that of embracing Jesus, God, stranger. A communion where justice is understood as living in shalom, in right relationships. Communion where all, the other, yes, the stranger who is God, Christ, is welcomed. When we live in such a communion where Jesus is the center, the communion itself is dynamic, 
There may be death, but there is always resurrection. And resurrection is embrace. Is it possible? Possible? What is possible? Another world? Another way of being? A way of being? I hear her. I hear the sound, the sound. Sound is so soft. Soft, soft is the warmth. I feel the warmth. I feel breath. Warm breath, breath being exchanged, exchange of life, life itself exchanged, exchanged in an embrace, ah, an embrace, an embrace, embrace. Embrace the warmth of bodies, the lips again, parting of those lips. A smile, it is a smile, a smile for the stranger, for the other, the lips part. A smile that warms my soul, ah, my soul. At home, in communion, in communion with the stranger and with God, communion with creation. That is being, being. Being a part, belonging in part, in every part, belonging to the blessed communion. So now, now no cries, no more cries of abandonment, no more cries of being forsaken, no cries, no cries, no cries, no cries here but laughter. There is laughter and much laughter, a belly filled with laughter. And there is charisma, charisma, the gift of grace, grace, gift, the gift of will, a will to embrace, an unconditional embrace, embrace that is unconditional, unconditional, the embrace often on the cross. The cross lifted high as a remembrance, a remembrance of suffering. Suffering not just of Jesus, but that of the other. The cross lifted high. The cross, a way of being. Another world, another way of being. An embrace that rejects exclusion. An embrace. You, me, the other, Jesus, God, and embrace. Amen. <laughs>